going to my grandparents' house, and every time we were there, my grandpa would measure our height. We would come into the laundry room, we would take our shoes off, we would back up against the wall, and you'd kind of try to nod up a little bit so you could be a little taller. And then he would take a pencil and draw a little dash on the wall, write my name, write uh, my age, and, and the date. And so this was a, a really common thing that we did every time we were at Grandpa's house. And it was really exciting because you got to see yourself grow. You got to see your progress you know, you were like, oh, last time I was only this tall, now I'm this tall. And it was just really neat to see yourself grow, because everybody wants to be taller, it seems like. As I reflect on this, what I began to notice is that the markings on the wall reveal our growth, but they don't reveal how we grow. You see the progress, but you don't know how it happened, per se. Now, we know that we need to eat plenty of food, we need to drink lots of water, and so forth to grow. But how does it work? I mean, how does it really happen? When it comes to church, do you ever feel like growth for the church happens mysteriously? Do you ever find yourself wondering, you know, you kind of observe this, and it seems like something that you can't quite put your finger on. What I want to suggest this morning is that I believe understanding church growth is kind of like the marks on Grandpa's wall. We see the marks, and we see the progress of our growth, but we may not know how it happened. So, wouldn't it be cool if we could see in the scriptures more than just a blueprint of how we might grow, but the actual hope that if we embraced the wisdom of the early church, we will grow. Wouldn't that be neat? I believe that God has graciously done that for us, and that in his word, we will see wisdom and hope for how we can actually grow. And so the question I want to wrestle with this morning as we spend some time in the Word is, how do we grow to be the church that God wants us to be? That is the question. So if you have a Bible, we're going to go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 2. We're going to be in verses 42 through 47. If you don't have a Bible, you can use the blue one that's there in in the back of the pew in front of you. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. As you're turning there, I want to just recap kind of what we've been doing the past couple weeks. Um, Skillman Bible Church, we as a church, we are a community reputation increase, both at home and abroad. Skillman Bible Church is a community determined to see God's reputation increase, both at home and abroad. That is our goal. That is what we are here for. Now, in order to see God's reputation increase, we believe that God is calling us to a three-part process. We believe that we are called to be grounded in the faith, growing together, and reaching the world. Grounded in the faith, growing together, and reaching the world. Last week, we talked about that first process, grounded in the faith. And in today's text, we're going to see four principles for growing together 
that serve as a blueprint for us. And we're also going to see two ways in which we can practice those. So before we, we uh, read the text, I want to pray for us, and then I invite you, after we pray, to stand with me as we read. Let's pray. Father, we are excited to be here today. We're excited that you give us the opportunity week in and week out to gather, to worship you, to lift you up. And God, we do this because we believe that you are worthy of worship, and we do this because we know that we need to be together and we need to worship you. We pray that as we spend time in your word today that you would come and that your presence would be with us, that you would come and reveal yourself to us and that you would speak to our minds and speak to our hearts about who you are, who we are, and how you are inviting us to be a part of what you're doing in the world right here in our neighborhood. And so we ask that you would guide our time, that this would be more than a mental lecture, but that this would be a time where you stir us, you stir our affections, you stir our um, minds, you, you, you bring all of us closer to who you are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we read this. This is Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. It says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. All right, you're welcome to take a seat. I don't know if you're like me, but whenever I read this text, my mind and my heart jump immediately to verses 43 and 47. I see the verse that says, and all this awe and wonder and these powerful things were happening. And then I read verse 47, and I read about how God's adding to their number daily those who were being saved, and it gets me going, and I'm like, yes, yes, yes. What's important, though, is that none of that stuff would have happened if they weren't doing what we see in verse 42 and in the other verses. And so I want to start with verse 42. Let's look at the practices that the church was engaged in because I believe that's where we're going to see how growth happens. So in verse 42, if you'll read, read that with me, we're going, to, we're going to kind of walk through this a bit by bit. It says, and they devoted themselves, first of all, to the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching. Now what is that? The apostles' teaching is simply the gospel, that Jesus is Lord and Christ, and that he was crucified, buried, and raised again. That's what the apostles' teaching is. If we were to back up, and for the sake of time we're not going to today, but if we were to back up and read verses uh, 14 through 36 of this chapter, we would see that the apostle Peter's sermon at, the, at Pentecost was all about Jesus, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. I mean, you, could, you can go back and read it. It would probably be a great thing to do this afternoon or sometime this week. The first thing we see here is that the primary way that we grow as a church, is by being devoted to Jesus-centered 
teaching. We grow by being devoted to Jesus-centered teaching. I believe Luke started this list with the apostles' teaching because it is absolutely essential to our church growth, to our health. Just like a tree trunk must be connected to its roots to continue to grow, as a church, we have to be connected to Christ and the gospel if we're going to grow. That's where our life is found. That's where our hope is found. And we talked about that last week. We believe this so much that every single week, week in and week out, we gather here and we sing and we preach and we teach about Jesus and his life, death, and resurrection. We grow by devoting ourselves to Jesus-centered teaching. Look back at verse 42 for the second, second practice. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and then secondly, the fellowship. The fellowship. Now, you might think of fellowship as simply hanging out and talking with other Christians, but it's more than that. Look down at verses 44 and 45. It says this, And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. What I see here is that they were all together and they had everything in common. That's the basic point of what he's saying there. They shared everything, both their possessions, their land and their houses, they're selling those kinds of things, and their belongings, so their stuff. There was no mine or yours in the early church. There was simply ours. They understood that every single thing they had came from the hand of God, and so they were open-handed with it. The second way that we grow is by devoting ourselves to fellowship. By devoting ourselves to fellowship. Now, you may be wondering, is Jeremiah telling us that we have to go home, put our houses on the market, and build a commune here on the corner of Skillman and Richmond? No, that's not the point. (laughs) Some of you are like, others of you are like, oh. (laughs) That's missing the point. The point is sharing what we have. That's what it means to have fellowship, sharing what we have. We devote ourselves to fellowship by seeing everything that God has given us as a blessing that we are to use to bless others. That's what it means to to have fellowship. Now, I've already seen and heard of us practicing this here at Skillman. I've seen it with my own eyes and I've heard about it stories of before I got here. I mean, just a couple weeks ago, Sarah Joe, you stood up and talked about how meaningful it was when the Blanchards welcomed y'all into their home and let you live there, and it was such a blessing to you. I know of another Skillman member who gave their car to another person in our church. Just gave it to them. Not like, hey, pay me payments and we'll be cool. Just gave it to them. That is the, exactly the kind of thing that fellowship entails. It's, it's being so enmeshed with one another that our stuff, we don't view as, hey, this is mine to hold on to, but it's, it's mine to bless others with. That's, that's really, really important for our growth. We grow by devoting ourselves to fellowship. Verse 42, if you jump back there with me, the next thing we see is that they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. Now this means what you you're probably, what it, the obvious thing that you're thinking about, it does mean that they shared communion together. 
but it also means that they ate their daily meals together. And if you look down below in, uh, in verse, where is that? Yeah, verse 46, it says that they were, they were receiving their food with glad and generous hearts in their homes. And so the third thing that we see here is that we grow by devoting ourselves to breaking bread. By devoting ourselves to breaking bread. Uh, every Sunday after we gather and hang out here for a little while, I see groups of people kind of gathering, to get, gathering with one another, and then they go and head to a restaurant together to have lunch. When we break bread together like that, when we have lunch together and so forth, those marks on Grandpa's wall for us as a church start to do this and do this. We grow, we get healthier, we get stronger when we do that. And here at Skillman, we also observe communion often. And we're going to do that here in just a moment. As, as I've finished the sermon, we're going to jump right into that. We do that not because it's neat to have a ritual. That's not the point. We do that because we believe at a fundamental level that this bread and this cup are essential to our growth. That we need to be reminded often of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. That's why we do this so often. Church, we grow by devoting ourselves to the breaking of bread. Look with me one, one last time at verse 42. We're going to look at the last phrase there for the fourth, fourth practice. It says, they devoted themselves, the last part of that, to the prayers. To the prayers. So the early church depended on God and they praised him in prayer. They understood that they were limitless in and of themselves, but that they served a God, that, that the spirit of God was limitless. And so they, they had limits in and of themselves, but God was limitless, and so they were a people of prayer. Church, just like the, they were, we will grow as we devote ourselves to prayer. That's the fourth thing, as we devote ourselves to prayer. Our Old Testament reading today was 2 Chronicles 7.14. It said this, If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. I believe at the very core of my being that Dallas, Texas needs to be healed. That our entire world needs this kind of transforming healing. And that doesn't happen by us gathering together and, you know, coming up with some good ideas or something. That happens by Jesus Christ and his gospel going forth and touching people's lives. Our city and our world will only be healed by Jesus. And I'm convinced that we will see God heal us when we devote ourselves to prayer. When we believe this so much that it becomes an everyday practice for us. Watchman Nee, some of you may be familiar with him, he's a, a great Chinese author, Christian author, he put it this way, describing prayer. He says, Our prayers lay the track on which God's power can come. Like a mighty locomotive, his power is irresistible. 
but it cannot reach us without rails. Do you want to see God's power come in our church and in our city? Do you want to see God's power come in our world? Prayer is the thing that invites his power. We grow when we devote ourselves to prayer. So we've talked about these four practices, being devoted to Jesus-centered teaching, to fellowship, to breaking bread and prayer. I want to give us two ways that I believe, according to this text, we should practice those things. First of all, I believe that we are going to grow, we are going to do this, we're going to practice these things together. Together. We grow together. The early church did all of these things together. If you go back and read that, you'll see the plural all throughout there. And in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, which is part of our New Testament reading that Ray read for us, it says this, And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, and this is the key phrase, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Friends, we need, we need one another to grow. We need Jesus to grow, but we also need one another to grow. Church is a team sport. There is no Lone Ranger Christianity. It doesn't exist. We grow together. The second thing that we see here about how to practice these things, how we grow, is that we grow every day. We are called to devote ourselves to these things every day. In Luke 46, Luke says that they attended the temple and they broke bread day by day, which is another way to say every day. And then, down in verse 47, that verse that gets me excited and makes me want to charge the hill, it says, the Lord added to their number day by day, or every day. Here's what I notice in this text. There is, an clear, there is a clear correlation between our community and our growth. There is a connection between the strength of our fellowship and the gospel going forth through us. We grow every day. So we devote ourselves, we're called to devote ourselves to Jesus-centered teaching. We're called to devote ourselves to fellowship, to breaking bread, and to prayer. And God calls us to these things together and every day. Now, it would be tragic if we just took all of that, stored it in a file in our brain, and did nothing different with our lives. God is calling us to do something with this. What is he wanting for us? How does he want us to respond? I believe it's, it's this simple. It's kind of packing all of that into one little phrase. God is calling us to devote ourselves to growing together every day. To growing together every day. He is inviting you, he's inviting me, us, into the most exciting venture in all of creation. Seeing his reputation increase both at home in Dallas, Texas, and all over our world. And the choice is ours. Will we accept that invitation and join him in what he's going to do? Will we devote ourselves to growing together every day?
Today, as I mentioned earlier, we're going we're gonna to break bread together. We're going to observe communion because, like I said, it's an essential component in our health and our growth as a community of believers. And today, as we eat of the bread and drink of the cup, I want to encourage you to do something. It's appropriate and good and right to focus on how this meal is a symbol and and reminds us of how we have been reconciled to the Father by Jesus' life and death and, and resurrection. But there's another part that I want to invite you to think about. This meal also reminds us that we have been brought together into one body, one church. We're brought back to the Father, but we're also brought together. We're created into this new humanity, this new, wonderful, glorious body of Christ. Here at Skillman, we practice an open table. And what that means is that if you've placed your faith in Christ, if you believe that Jesus' life and death and resurrection is the only thing that brings forgiveness and reconciliation to God, you're welcome to come and participate. Now, if you haven't done that, if you haven't trusted Christ, we would ask you to abstain and consider Christ today and consider placing your faith in him. What we're going to do, those of you who are familiar with this, um, it'll be the same as normal. If you, if you haven't practiced this with us here, we're going to form two rows. We'll just come down and, and, and exit row by row. We'll form two rows. We'll come up. There will be some bread here. You can break off a piece, dip it in the cup, and then you can make your way back to your seat. But before we do that, I want to read the account of the Last Supper from Luke's Gospel in, ver- in chapter 22, verses 19 and 20. It says this, And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Let's pray together.